Well, go ahead and be seated. And do we have any announcements this morning? All right, check out the announcements. It's that time of year again. Time for men's softball. If you're interested, sign up in the back. Games will be played from 6 to 9 on Tuesday nights at the Wackford Center in Elk Grove. The cost is just $35. If you're single, it's time to plan ahead for the Singles Awakening, May 21st to the 23rd in beautiful Lake Tahoe. The cost is going to be just $200. Invite your single friends for a powerful time in beautiful Lake Tahoe. that time of year again make plans to be with us easter weekend for our annual easter egg hunt and carnival saturday april 3rd at 10 a.m at james rudder park there's going to be plenty of games food and candy for the kids and as i said earlier it is palm sunday and so uh this is this beginning of holy week and if you if you live right every week is holy week amen should be amen i know there's people that come out of the woodwork uh with, you know, Easter and Lent and stuff, and they're wanting to sacrifice and do all these things, but the rest of the year, they live like the devil, you know, so, but that's not, that's not us, amen? Well, about seven of you, I guess the rest of you, uh, now, we, we, we live, we live this thing, amen? That's what we're called to do, we're, we're here to live the word of God in our lives, but it is a special week, man, and, and uh, <clears throat> we don't want to forget the sacrifice that Jesus made this week, and today was the day when everything kind of got flipped upside down. If you read the story, and I, and I, uh, I would admonish you to go home and, and read about it uh, all throughout the Gospels. Uh, each Gospel has a different account of Palm Sunday. But Palm Sunday was the day when the people of God thought, here comes Jesus, and he's going to do everything that we need. He's going to meet our needs. He's going to free us from our oppressor. But what they did not see was that he was coming to free them from their oppressor. But the oppressor was, they were looking for an outward thing. They wanted, to, they wanted freedom from the Romans, which they later got. But they wanted it right then. And when Jesus, what Jesus was telling to tell, trying to tell them was this. It does you no good to have freedom on the outside if on the inside you're bound up. And his whole message was the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they got it confused. They thought, oh, great, then we're not going to be under the Romans' oppression. He goes, you don't get it. The kingdom of heaven is about your heart. You can be free on the inside and, and nothing on the outside even matters. That's why there are people in prison today that are behind bars, but they're more free than some of us because they've experienced Jesus. And so it, it's an incredible story because you see within seven days time, these uh, the people that were shouting down praises and, and saying, yes, blessed is the Lord, were, were calling for his crucifixion. All of a sudden they turned on him. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of times Christians do that. You know, as soon as God doesn't do what we want, ah, you know, I'm, I'm done with this church thing. I'm done with this Christian thing. Well, you know, that, that's not what this is about. This is not just about getting all of our needs met, although the covenant does promise that he will meet all of our needs. But he'll meet all of our needs. And I want you to catch this point when everything falls in the order that God designed. Okay, so that's what really what Palm Sunday is about. And I admonish you to go out this week. I know my wife watched the Passion of the Christ last night. And, uh, you know, she said, I just I really felt like I just need to watch that again. And a couple months ago, we sat down with our kids around Christmas time, actually, and uh, watched it. And they got to see it for the very first time. Just under get, get that, you know, fresh 
thought about what the sacrifice was that Jesus did. And as everybody's coloring eggs and, and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, you know, remember what it's really about. Amen? Amen? Nothing wrong with coloring eggs. That's why we're doing an Easter egg hunt out here for the community. Nothing wrong with, you know, eating all the peeps you can hold down. I can't do those things no more. You reach a certain age where you, you just can't do, you can't do that stuff no more. And I'm at that age, I, I, you know, I'll go to hurling uh, if I eat too many peeps. But, you know, I know I'm sure you give a pack of peeps to a kid and man, they're in heaven, you know. So uh, really just, just remember and reflect this week on what Holy Week is all about. There's some great things in there and, and uh, don't miss next Sunday. Listen, this is your opportunity this week to invite people to church because some people only go to church on Christmas and Easter, okay? And a great way to stir, uh, ask a conversation. If I could get these fans turned a little bit. I'm, I'm, a little, I'm freezing out up here. I don't know if it's just me, but yeah, you guys too? Okay, maybe just turn them a little bit. But um, this is a great week where people, God, Jesus is on people's minds, even people that don't serve him. So one of the things I like to do during Easter week is I like to ask people, hey, where are you going to church this week? You know, it's the one uh, week, maybe the second because of Christmas. During those two times, it's the two times where everybody is, you, you just can, can figure they're going to church. And if they're not, why not? They need an explanation. Because these are the days when even the heathen go to church. Come on, somebody. Amen. Y'all remember you'd stumble out of the club, but it was Easter Sunday and you'd still be at the church. Right. Don't raise your hand. I don't want to tell on yourself. But so I always like to whenever I talk to people and just say, hey, where are you going to church this Sunday? And a lot of times they instead of going, well, I don't go to church. They, oh, I don't know yet. And that's a great opportunity uh, to invite them. And in the back and ushers, if you could take some of those flyers and just disperse them right now in the back. And our, our ushers are going to pass out some flyers right now. We have flyers inviting everybody to next week's presentation, which is called The Power. Our media team has, has put some things together and our drama team is going to do some performing. And then I got a great word for you. And we're going to believe God that we're going to impact people's lives with the gospel next week. Okay. So uh, it, let's, let's put it on your prayer list this week that you're going to be inviting somebody to church and take it a step further, not only inviting, but bringing, you know, bring them, load up your cars. Hey, you need to come to church. We can go get some Easter lunch afterwards or whatever it is. Because let me tell you something. I don't, I don't press you uh, all the time to do these kinds of things, but Easter is an awesome opportunity to win somebody to Jesus. And we can't be the type of selfish Christians that all we care about is our life and our Easter service and what we're going to do. <clears throat> Listen, uh, being a Christian is about winning souls and making disciples. Everybody say that winning souls and making disciples. If you're not doing those things, you're missing a part of the Christian life. You're becoming a churchgoer, and there's no power in being a churchgoer. There's no transformation in being a churchgoer. It's only when you get involved with the plan of God that you'll get to really experience him. So those flyers that you have there, there's a ton of them in the back. Take some, take them to work. On one side is an advertisement for our Easter outreach, where we'll all also be sharing the gospel. We've got some dramas out there, uh, uh, some, some rappers, some music we're going to have out there. It's going to be great. Tons of prizes, guys. We are blessing our community. Uh, man, we've got like skates and, and Easter baskets we're giving out and transformers and all this kind of stuff we're going to give out there. And then in our carnival booths, you guys aren't going to want to miss this either. We are, we're giving away stuffed animals, okay? And they ain't going to cost you 10 bucks like they do at the fair. 
Y'all ever, you ever play those games at the fair and you're all excited because you won a big bear, but you spent 20 bucks trying to win it, you know, uh, or more, amen, or more. Well, all of our games are free for the community and the kids can come and they can leave there with stuffed animals and all these kinds of things. It's going to be a blast. And that's all because of your giving. And you say, well, why are you guys doing that? Because we want to represent Jesus to our community. We want to put on a great, safe event for the families that are out here, for your families as well, and uh, we want to bless them. I, I think the day of churches doing things, you know, uh, just, just to scrape and get by are over. We want to share what God has blessed us with and, uh, and, and put on a great event out there. This year, we've tripled the amount of eggs that we've gotten. We're doing three separate Easter egg hunts, uh, one for the, the, you know, each age group. Uh, we're getting better at this thing. Some of you might have remembered last year, man, those kids get those eggs within seconds. It's like locusts going over the, uh, the cornfields or something. So we're doing three separate ones so little kids don't get trampled or anything like that. And the bigger kids, well, they can just beat each other up. No, 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 I'm just just joking. But uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So next week and all week, I want you to just be praying for those that you're believing to invite. Matter of fact, let's say a prayer right now so that you go out in power. Father, we just thank you that you've planted each person in their life around the people that they're around to be an influence for you. Father, I pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to invite those around us to come to the house of God, to hear a message that could transform their lives. Father, we pray that you help everybody use their social media and the influence that they have to win souls this week in some way. Father, we pray that those that we're praying for and those that we reach out to, that you would soften their heart, that you've already been working on them for weeks if not months or years, and we believe that next week somebody's going to have an appointment. Some people are going to have an appointment, Lord God, to meet you for the very first time and be forever changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Turn in your Bibles now to Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. And while you're doing that, uh, I just want to take a moment. Last month, we had our pillar of the month for February Uh, As you remember, was Arnold and Amanda for the incredible things they do around here. And every month we'd like to honor somebody. And you might have saw on social media that our pillar of the month for March was our own uh, P. Ray. Come on up here, Ray. We got a little gift for you right here. Something something for you to take your precious wife out to and have a good night out on us. Amen. God bless you. We appreciate you, man. Give it up for him one more time. Amen. And uh, we like to just uh, recognize somebody every month for all they do. P. Ray is a youth leader at the mix. He's an usher. He helps out once a month with kids. Uh, he just really lays down his life for this vision, and we just so appreciate him. And we appreciate all of you. And uh, at some point, we'll be able to do something nice for you. Just keep on serving. Amen. Joshua twenty let's read this. It says this. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Okay? Uh, whether the gods which, are, which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now and open up our hearts and our minds. We thank you, Lord, 
for your precious word and your precious Holy Spirit that brings transformation. Father, we put down the walls that sometimes we erect uh, to, uh, to protect things that we don't want you to touch. And Lord, I just pray that we'd be open to allowing you to touch every aspect of our life. Because if you're touching it or you're exposing it, it's because you're wanting to change it and you're wanting to bless it. And we open up our lives to you right now. We bind every demonic spirit that would try to bring oppression or stop up the ears or the understanding of anybody here. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would rule and reign in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. All right, let's, let's jump in here. As I was uh, preparing for this, we're, we're finishing up and, and, and kind of getting on uh, this tip of uh, as for me and my house and this is my house. I want to finish up this because I believe this is very important. And as I started talking to you about, there's three areas in the Bible that speaks of the house of God. One being your vessel, your body, your life. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the house of God. And we talked about that needing to be a spirit. I have a soul. I live in a body. Not letting your flesh dictate everything you do. Not letting your mind, will, and emotions uh, dictate everything you do. But living out of your spirit. I'm not going to get into that. You can get the, the message on our podcast on iTunes. And then we went into the second portion, which is uh, the family your, your, your family is called the house, the house of God. That's why Joshua says, as for me and my house, he wasn't talking about where he lived. He was talking about, as for me, my wife and kids, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's what I want to uh, talk a little bit about here uh, this morning. And we started this a couple weeks ago before Pastor Chris Sarno was here last week, rocking our world. And so I'm so uh, grateful for that time. How many enjoyed the services last week? Amen. Amen. Praise God. It was an awesome, awesome time in the presence of God. And uh, so I want to just jump right back into what we were talking about. We're talking about the house. As for you and your house, we will serve the Lord. First Corinthians 11, three says it like this, but I want you to know <coughs> that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. And I want to jump off here, and I touched on this two weeks ago, because this is an area of scripture that a lot of uh, Christians have misinterpreted, I believe, because they take things out of context. And this is where a lot of oppression against females and against women had creeped into the church. And some of you might remember those days. There's still churches that are like that today, where, you know, they, they still hold to teachings and scriptures that say a woman shouldn't speak in church and a woman uh, has no place in leadership and all those things. But that's because they take this scripture here and they apply it to everyday life. And you really can't do that because what Paul is teaching about here, he's teaching about the home and he's giving us an order for the home. He's actually setting up God's organizational structure for the home. OK, and and what he's saying here is that the head of, of the husband should be Christ. And the head of every wife, not, not, it's, it, it, I know uh, the English text says woman there, but he's talking about the wife, the head of every wife is her husband, okay? Now, some people have interpreted this to mean that men, okay, are above women, and that is just not the case, and I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture here. As you look over at Galatians 3.28, it says this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So God is not looking at us as a ranking like some people have said in First in Corinthians there. Because what it says in Galatians is we're all equal. He looks at us all as one. 
So that means we cannot oppress females. Can I get an amen from the women in here? That means, women, we remove the ceiling off of you because I tell you what, there's been churches and there were times in church history, not even long ago, the 50s, 60s, 70s. Man, I know some churches in town that still won't uh, let a woman wear makeup or she can't wear pants to church. or She has to wear long sleeves because somebody might see her elbows and get turned on. Uh, you know, I never got that. I never got that, you know. So, uh, you know, have to cover up your legs to your ankles and all these types of things. It's oppressive against women and it's not right. Amen. Amen. It's not right. And I believe uh, I, I, we got to get these things straight. So what First Corinthians eleven three is talking about here is an order. God's organ, organizational structure, because every industry, every business, every organization on the planet Earth has to have an organizational structure. Okay, that's why there's a boss at your job. That's why you as an employee don't get to act as the boss. Amen. Because there is a structure. And just think if you were the boss, man, man, I tell you, if the employees were the boss, the company would make no money. Amen. Because most employees can't see the whole picture. All we see is what pertains to us. Amen. So we need structure in this thing. And that's what God is saying about the house. Now, I want you to listen today, and if, if I say something to make you mad, then ask yourself why I'm getting upset about this, because, uh, you know, usually it's because there's an area there that the Holy Spirit is trying to work on that is sensitive in your life, and it may, might be because you've been hurt or you've been bruised. Anybody ever have a bruise? And it turns a little, you know, uh, 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 blue, black and blue there, and if you just touch it, 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 it you know, it hurts. My wife always laughs at me because if I see, or she doesn't laugh and she gets on to me because if my kids have a bruise, I'll, first thing I'll do is, are you okay? I, I don't know why I do that. I just want to see if it's, are you, ah, and they're like, ah. I should know because it's black and blue. Uh, but, you know, I, I do that. And, and it normally wouldn't hurt, but when it's bruised, you could just touch it and it, and it hurts. How many know what I'm talking about? So we want to open up our, our heart and our minds to see some things here because God wants us to have a good home. Amen? Amen. And if there's anything under attack in America, it's the home. Even politicians are meeting. How can we strengthen the home? And that's why they're losing billions of dollars into social programs and things because they know that the breakdown in society always starts in the home. It always does. But the problem is government will never be able to fix that problem because it's a heart problem. The only people that are really can address and help change social woes in the home is the church through the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want you to get this. Amen. Because in order to to be able to impact society, we've got to first have the model of it in our own homes. Can I get an amen? amen? We can't tell society how to live if we don't get it in the church. All right. They're not going to listen to us. Because as as of right now in the American church, divorce is just as high as it is out there. Our kids are leaving church at 18. The average stat of Christianity says that after a teenager reaches 18, 80% of them leave church and never return. You want to know why that is? It's because they don't see it being modeled in their home. Yes, mom and dad dragged them to church, but when mom and dad left church, they went home and acted like the devil. And so a kid has sense to go, I'm not going to do this. It doesn't work in my house. I'm done with it. Are you tracking with me? So this is very, very serious. And we're always the people that think, oh, not not my kids, not my kids. If you think like that, it's probably exactly your kids. okay? because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and show you areas. 
So why I'm addressing this is because it's our kids that are at stake. It's our kids that are at stake. So God gives us the organizational structure. 1 Corinthians 11.3, we see it there. But Galatians so uh, 3.28 tells us we're all the same. So as I go over the organizational structure, some of us might not like it in this room. Some of the women might be like, well, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that my husband is over me. Well, you know what? You're going to have to deal with that because he's not over you because he's better. Because Galatians says 3.28, God sees us the same. So it's not that you're saying my husband is better than me. You're simply recognizing he has a place to play that I don't play. Can I get an amen on that? You've got to understand that. This is so important because it offends women because women think the scriptures are saying you better submit to your husband because he's better than you. And I think you wives know that that is not the case. Amen. So, I mean, well, wives are saying, amen, pastor, thank you for saying that. It's not that he's better than you. It's simply that his role ordained by God has been put there. And we need to learn how to recognize that role and stay in it. Is this helping anybody? Because I think sometimes from our pulpits, we preach things that were oppressive to women. And no wonder they didn't want to submit to those things. No wonder they had a hard time. And they should because people are not rightly dividing the word of truth. Okay, so that's what I want to try to do for you today. And and man, we need to get this on the inside of us, too, because I think sometimes this kind of teaching has put us in a position where we look down on our women. Or we don't think a a woman can be a leader over us. You better put that in check. Because according to Galatians, there's no difference between man and women in the eyes of God. So a woman can lead and a man can lead. Can I get an amen? amen. So we need to be open to that. All right. So 1 Corinthians 11 gives us an organizational structure. And you can put this first slide up on the screen. This is God's organizational structure. Did you get that? Did, I, did you get that? Okay. Um, God has an organizational structure for the home. So here's what the organizational structure is. Number one. Christ comes first, okay? Now, I want you to write this down because this is where the Christian, Christian men say, oh, yeah, 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 I got that. I got that. I'm a Christian. You know, being a Christian doesn't mean Christ is your head, okay? Because you said a prayer and because you go to church doesn't mean you've made Christ your head, okay? There are so many Christians that have met Jesus as Savior. You recognize him as Savior, but you've not made him your Lord. You've not made him your Lord. Yes, you recognize he died on the cross for you. He takes away your sins. He's forgiven you. But you have not come to the place where you allow him to lead your life. And when Jesus becomes Lord of your life, if you see it in the word, you submit to it and you forget how you feel about it. Amen. If it's in God's word because he's my Lord, I better do it. That's not how most Christians live. Most Christians look at it in the word and go, well, but I don't feel like doing that. So I'm just going to keep living my life. And here's what we do. I'm going to live my life like I always have and go to church on Sundays. And you know what that produces? Very little. It's not until we make Christ our head that we are truly in a position of leadership in our homes, man. And some of you wonder why the home is not in place. Man, it starts with us. Are we connecting to Christ the King? Is he our head? Which means this, if Christ is your head, he's your Lord, he's your King. 
He tells you to do something, you do it. He tells you to work on something, you work on it. You read it in your word, his ways got to trump my ways. I'll give you an example. So as most men, we don't like to be told what to do. We don't want anybody telling us anything, speaking into our lives. But then you read the word of God and it tells us that we're supposed to have pastors, that there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. I have a choice to make. I can keep living my way over here or I could submit to Christ's kingship and say, God, you're going to have to help me with this one. I'm going to do it, but I'm going to need some help. Amen? Amen. So we need to make him the Lord of our life. Singles, you got to make him the Lord of your life. He can't be this, the Lord of your life when, when he's asking you to th- do things you want to do. If he's Lord, we do things when we don't want to do it because we submit to him. Are you guys catching this? So some of our men in the homes, you think because you're a Christian, Christ is your head. I'm telling you, he's not. He's not head until you submit to his ways. He's not your head until you say, God, you're the Lord. And as Lord, you could touch every area of my life. You could touch my money. You can tell me what I should and should not be watching. If you want me to give up football, I'll give up football. Oh, I touched something right there. Oh, Lord. Somebody said, please, Lord, please. If you need me to put down video games and pay more attention to my wife, then God, I'll do that. Whatever it might be. God, if you're telling me I need to give my money that I work so hard for, then I'll do that. When Christ is Lord, your life changes. Your ways change. Not this American thing where we go and say a prayer. Nothing in our life changes except where we are from 10 to 12 on Sunday. This thing is bigger than that. And if you're going to have a strong home, Christ must be the head man in your life. He mu- you must submit to him. You must make him Lord. And when he comes into your life, man, he changes everything. It's not just about where you are on Sundays. It's how you're acting on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. Do you have a devotional life? Why haven't you built that yet? Well, it's this, it's that. Don't matter. He's Lord. 15 minutes a day will not kill you. But see, you have not yet learned how to crucify the flesh. You know, just just simple things. Make him Lord of your life through your actions, through your obedience. Can I get an amen on that? So that's the first place in the home. Christ must be central. He must be first. Number two, the husband is the second there. He is he's after Christ. The head of the home. Listen now is the husband, the man of the house. Can I get a good strong amen? Amen. I got a little weak amen, but that's just because you don't understand. See, you think, oh, well, that means I'm third. I'm second. No, no, no. You've got to understand if God puts you puts an order together, if everybody plays their part, I'm better off when I have a good man running and running, helping run my house. Can I get an amen on that? We all need leadership. Everybody on the planet needs leadership. OK, we need to teach our kids there's authority. Nothing happens if nobody's in charge. And what God is saying is I've set it up, ladies, and I've put uh, put ingredients in a man that you don't have. Doesn't make you better. Doesn't make you less. But it's because I've created man for a specific function in the home. Amen. Does it make you less? Does it make you least then? Oh, my gosh. No, no, no. You're looking at it the wrong way. We've got to trust our God. God's a good God. He doesn't give you things to hurt you. He gives you things to help you. 
See, in the eyes of God, he's trying to protect. He's setting up a structure that can prosper and grow. What you got to do is make a choice. You're going to do things God's way or you're going to do, thing your, do, do, uh, do things your way. You do things your way, good luck with that. Because numbers and statistics don't lie and they will tell you this is what is wrong with most homes in America. One of the one of the number one, well, not the number number one uh, reason for poverty is is teen pregnancy uh, or pregnancy uh, out of wedlock even. But uh, problems that 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 uh, sociologists have found in in poverty stricken homes is the majority of those homes have no male leadership. Okay, have no male leadership. So what is the problem? Again, it's not saying men are better. It's saying they've been created for a specific role. Now, many of, uh, many of the women might have a problem with this because of the man you chose to marry, okay? But remember, you chose him. I got quiet in here, amen. See, we like to blame. We like to blame. But you chose him. You chose him. And that's why single people, you need to be open to counsel. None of this, but you don't know him. You don't know him like I do. No, that's the idea. They don't know him like you do. They know him a different way. They know him by his actions. You know, the, you know him by how he makes you feel. And I'll tell you right now, those feelings will only get you so far. Okay? And so we need, single people, you need to pick. When, you, when you're about to marry somebody, can you submit to them? If you can't, don't do it. Because it won't work. Now, back to the married folks. So, so if you have a problem and you can't see this happening in your house, then you need Jesus to help you with it. And that's okay. That's okay. God, God puts it before us. He's not saying it's going to be easy, but he's asking us to receive it. And he comes in and he brings the help. Can I get an amen? amen. He, he brings the help. And he'll also show you why this is a good structure. And I'm going to show you in a little bit, too. So Christ, the husband, the wife or the mother fits right after that. And that doesn't make her less. It just is actually a place of protection. It's a place of structure so things can grow. Amen. Amen. You've got to wrap your mind and your spirit around this if you're going to get it. So the wife comes in there not as a lesser person but as somebody who has a different role to play. And then under that is the children. Can I get an amen? amen? It seems so obvious that the children would be there, but in some of our families, the children are first. Let's look at these other structures, how we have set up today. Go to the next slide here. So this next one, because we have a lot of questions uh, about, uh, this, this is how it should be set up. Go to the next one. Uh, this is, this is for those of, of, of a, single, a single mother family. Because as I'm preaching this, many go, well, I have a family, but, you know, I'm a single mom. That's fine. Christ takes care of that. The Bible says he's a husband to the husbandless. So if you're a single mom or a single dad, I should have put dad next to the mom part there, then it would be Christ, you, and child. So mom, you got to connect to Christ the same way a husband would and let Christ fill that next role. Somebody say amen to that. God never lets you go without. If you're a single mom, he takes care of you, and he always makes provision for you in that place. Amen? <clears throat> but go to the next one here. So, yeah, go to the next one here. So, so in this, this would be uh, what a lot of homes in church are like. What's missing from this lineup right here? Christ. Okay? 
Take a good look in the mirror this morning because sometimes some of us, we go to church, but Christ is not the head of your home and you know it. He's not the head. Yeah, you go to church, but Christ doesn't influence any of your decisions. You don't put him first in your finances with your giving. You don't put him first in any any uh, decisions that need to be made. And you think, well, we've got a God honoring home. You're missing out. Christ is in here, but he's not first. He's got to be. You've got to be connected to him to have a strong home. Are you guys catching this today? Go to the next one. So some of us have homes like that. All right. Go to the next one here. Abracadabra. Come on. Come on. Oh, did? Okay, I missed it. Sorry. Okay, so, uh, so look at this one now. Wife, husband, child. I know, just put your head in your Bible. I know, I know. Because some of our structure in our homes are like this. The wife is running the show. She's making all the decisions. She keeps the checkbook. You just come home, give her the money. She's paying the bills. She's taking care of this, that, and the other. And you don't even have a thought. And guess who's carrying the weight? Your wife. And you say, well, she's, she, she's, it's easier for her to do. That might be the case. But you should still help carry the weight. Can I get an amen on that? There's nothing wrong with having your wife take care of bills. And my wife does most of, of that kind of thing. But I'm involved in it. And what I mean by being involved in it is I'm carrying the weight. I don't just throw her the checkbook and say, oh, go ahead. You know, because there's times when there's there's months then it's tight. And she shouldn't be the one worrying about it. You know, should be taking it on me. Now, I shouldn't be worrying about it, but it's my responsibility to go to my head, which is Christ and, and, and say, God, I thank you that you're going to meet all of our needs. So there are times in our home where because she's got the bills in front of her, she comes and she says, man, you know, it's, it's a tight month. And I'll, and I'll say, and it's not to rebuke her or, or, or put her in place, because this is my place. So she comes to me, and, and I say, that's okay. God's going to provide. Let's pray right now. And I take that burden from her. I put it on me, and I carry that thing. Are you guys catching this? So a lot of homes, the wife is running the show, and the guys, we come home, we work hard, we flip on the TV, and we're just like, hey. And she's like, well, you know, Junior's, Junior's acting up again. You need to, and you, what'd you do? You should take care of him. And we're putting all the child raising, excuse me if your name is Junior, I just remember I'm picking on you. Uh, you, know, uh, you know, all the child uh, responsibilities go on the mom. All the bills being paid goes on the mom. And we just, we just think we're supposed to just bring money home. No, there's more to this than that, okay? So, and then there's some, some guys, we, some women are carrying the number one spot because the man's not doing anything. So it's not that your wife is wicked and controlling. Somebody's got to stand up. And many times men, we're like that because that's how we've seen our fathers do our grandfathers do, and, and we just carry on. Well, that's the way it is, and that's that. No, listen, that is not God's structure. That's the way it was. You get a say in how it is. Amen? Yeah. I know, I know, it's getting quiet, but you need to catch this. Somebody needs to get this, okay? So the wife is not created in the organizational structure to be above the husband, okay? But the husband has to take his place. Guys, you got to get involved. You got to get involved in your in your kids' lives. You got to get involved where the money's going. You got to get involved in situations and things. 
And sometimes your wife comes to you wanting your input and you're like, eh, I don't care. Whatever you want to do. See, that's a lazy place to be because you're the CEO. You're the person that God has put to help make those decisions. And you're just like, eh, you do it. So your poor wife has to stand in a position that she was not created for. And now she's got to take that role on because you're lazy, mm. sometimes ignorant, and sometimes just don't want to be bothered. Listen, that's not going to be a good home for you. That's not going to be a good place. All right. So that's one type of reason we have this in our homes in America. Uh, and, but there's another type of reason, too. And that is because our wives many times do not want to submit to any man. I will not let a man be over. No man's going to tell me anything. I don't need to ask permission. I do what I want to do. And that's, well, you should have stayed single. Just be good. You're going to be like that? Just be single. Okay? Don't afflict anybody with your attitude. Be single. That, that's a perfect single attitude right there for yourself. Really not perfect, but you know what I'm saying. If you want to think like that, be by yourself. Don't get married. Okay? Because I've said this before. I heard somebody say this this past week. I think it was Pastor Charles on, on a tweet. He said, what, what a marriage really is, it's, a, it's two funerals and one resurrection. It's two people saying, I'm going to change the way I live for this person. I'm going to give up what I want for this other person. And married people, you know that. You know that's what it is. Things change when you get married. The rules change when you get married. Fellas, you want to sit around on video games six, seven hours a day? Stay single. Got real quiet up in this Presbyterian church. Stay single, okay? Shouldn't have got married, all right? Shouldn't have got married. Why? Because now you got responsibilities, all right? And in the structure of God, you got some roles to play. But getting back to what I was saying, some women might have a hard time submitting and don't understand that. Educate yourself. Learn God's word. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, okay? Because the only way you're going to have a strong home is when you've got the right structure. Because when it's out of whack like this, guess who struggles? The kids. Guess who struggles? The kids. Amen? If things are out of order there, there's no way everything can get right. Go to the next one now. So in this one, look at this one. See, we laugh, but some of us, it's like that. You just don't see it. You don't see it. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. Husband comes home for work. Oh, man, I'm hungry. Wait, what's for dinner? Macaroni and cheese? What? Macaroni and cheese? Yes, the kids like that. Oh, the kids like that. I get it. What I like doesn't matter. You see what I'm saying? You, you, see, you see how it works there? See, we don't catch those things. It's all about the babies sometimes. Now, I know there are times when we sacrifice and things like that, but it shouldn't be that your wife, as, as a wife, you only think of the babies. Amen? I'm trying to help somebody. Because, see, some of us were raised in settings like this. And so the husband comes home and he had a tough day. That day he needs some chicken. He needs some protein, some meat. And you got him up there eating macaroni. It ain't even homemade macaroni. It's craft. <laughs> Cheesy mac. Kids are all happy and dad's like, dang. 
It happens. It happens. Or, or dinner gets served. Listen, dinner gets served. Mommy serves the little boy. Okay. Uh, and dad comes in. Oh, where's Mike? Oh, it's over there. You can get it. I got real quiet on that one. Because we'll make excuses. Well, it's just because the babies, they can't do it themselves. I'm not saying you stop doing it for the kids, but you have to model to your kids the authority in the home. And when mom goes and serves dad, it sends a message out. Now, sometimes, check this out, sometimes the dad needs to serve mom. Can I get an amen on that? I don't know why I got more amens on that than I did the other. Because there are times when I'm cooking, I'm serving my wife, and I'm doing those things too. But see, these things model something, okay? I remember in my home growing up, my dad had a chair. How many had a dad that had a chair? Okay? And we had, dad had a chair. And when it was time to sit down, we didn't sit in his chair. If I sat in his chair, you best believe the minute, he, minute the shadow hit the doorway, I'm moving, and dad's getting his chair. Okay? And you know what that is? That's a good model of who's in charge. We've lost that today. We've lost that today. You know? And we watch TV shows. Listen to this. We watch TV shows where the dumbest person in the family is the dad. Especially on them Disney shows. You ever seen those Disney shows with your kids? Sit down and watch TV with your kids. Take, look what they're taking in. The smartest people in the home on a Disney or Nickelodeon show are the kids. And the dumbest people are the parents. And so shows are written where the kids are bailing the parents out of their problem. And kids are growing up learning that stuff. And then they come home and they see mom. Mom don't get dad's plate. Dad gets his own plate. And we get, our, we get, to, we get to dictate what's for dinner. And dad doesn't get a say. And, and see what I'm saying? So, you know, as I opened up with this, a lot of us laughed. But I think you need to take a good look in your heart. And seeing, are you giving your husband the proper uh, uh, honor, proper respect? Are you modeling God's way? Amen? And if I'm making you mad, you need to ask yourself why. Because I'm telling you, I'm not coming from a male chauvinistic place. I'm coming from God's word with understanding. There has to be a structure. So it can't be wife, child, and husband. Because that's not going to work in God's setup. Amen? Of his structure of a strong home. Let's go to the next one here. Let's go to the next one. Ooh, look at this one right here. It seems ridiculous. It seems, I know it seems like, well, nobody does that. But there are people that won't go to church because they have a baby. There are people that don't come to church because their little teenager don't want to go. I'm going to let that marinate a little bit, you see. See, we have families, okay, that are allowing the kids to dictate their lifestyle. So now, you know, we don't do anything because of the baby. Hey, when was the last time you went on a date? Oh, we haven't gone out since the baby. Oh, the baby dictates your marriage now? Now, don't get me wrong, you do need to adjust things. Obviously, you just don't leave your kid and all that kind of stuff. 
but your poor wife can't get a date because now the baby has some say in everything. I'm not saying take her out every week, but my gosh, take her out once in a while and leave the baby with a sitter. Amen. Oh, I can't do that. See, the baby's controlling things. The baby's controlling things. And sometimes it's not even just the baby. It's the kids. The kids, they get to dictate everything in the home. So check yourself. I know, you know, because you think, well, there's no way a kid is bossing parents around. Yes, they do. They do. Hope not in this church. Amen. But they do. I was at the ballpark yesterday watching my son's game. And this little kid lost it. Just went to throwing a fit over something in the snack bar. And mommy just, you know, oh, you know, she didn't know what to do. I just wanted to go over and coach her. Yeah, I was wanting, you see what you do? You yope them up right there, you know. Just, just, you, you ain't got to hit them. Just yope them up right there. And I just wanted to coach her a little bit. Cause she's, oh, and she went in there and she got him what he wanted to have. Okay? And some of us here do it too. Amen? Your teenager cries because he doesn't get the Jordans. I'd be like, good, you're crying over shoes. Now you really ain't getting them. <laughs> My son's not in here today or he would ask him, isn't that right? Because I'm not going to be controlled. Listen now, I can't be controlled by my kids. That's not how the structure is set up. So the next time, teenager, you go to crying to get your way, you better check yourself. Because you're not the one supposed to be calling the shots. Look at my, my, my teens over here getting all nervous. The mix over here getting all nervous. Oh, Pastor Sergio, I used to like you, man. I used to think you was cool. But listen, because it only hurts you. It only hurts you. All right? So we laugh at this, but this is a reality in life. Okay? Not even with little ones. Older ones. And this begins to be a problem sometimes. You need to catch this with our blended families today. And this is tough. All right. This is tough when when you have kids and now you married somebody and you're supposed to put them over your kids. But listen, that's the structure. And that's why you should think twice about just getting married when you have kids. Can I get an amen? You guys make me work for these amens, but you need to you need to hear this. See, this is this a tough thing when you've had your kids with you for 10, 10 years, 15 years, whatever amount of time. And now you get married and the Bible says, okay, put your husband before your kids. That's tough. It is tough. But you should think about that before you enter into a marriage and bring your kids into it. Now, if you marry a godly man, hey, it's going to be all right. Amen? You're going to have to trust. Because what are we ultimately trusting? We're ultimately trusting God, not just his system, but, how, but him. And you're saying, God, I trust you. This is in your word. I'm going to do it because it's in your word. And I trust that you're going to make sure everything works properly. You guys see this? Okay, go to the next one here. Oh, I think that was the last one. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last one. there. Okay, so let me, let me give you some scripture here. And then I'm going to wrap it up here. <coughs> go to Ephesians chapter 5, 22, 30. Ephesians 5, 22, 30. You can look on the screen. It says this, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church. And he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Somebody say in everything. In everything. That's a little weak. Say in everything. In everything. 
So in marriage, there's none of this, well, that's his, and this is mine. The Bible says in everything we submit it. In everything. There's no, there's no his and hers, it's ours. Amen? We've got to learn that. And that's a scary thing for some people. Okay, and, and please, I'm not throwing stones or anything, but I know a lot of married couples, they still have their separate bank accounts and things like that. And they say, well, that just works for us. Well, that's that, you know, it might work for a season. But anytime we violate some things that God has put in place, we're going to you're going to run into some problems. OK, going to run into some problems. If you're scared to put uh, your money with the man you married, what in the heck did you marry him for? If you still feel like, well, I got to have my own account over here because you know, why'd you marry that crazy woman then? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Because remember, listen, where your treasure is, the Bible says, that's where your heart is. So if you got to keep your treasure away from him, he never have your whole heart. Amen. Amen. This is good preaching here. I'm trying to help families out. Because you want to know why? Because I'm marrying a lot of people. And what good is marrying them if they're going to be apart in 10 years? <coughs> Amen? Amen? What good is being married if it's going to be a miserable marriage? Amen. Amen? We want to work on this. And it starts with getting the structure in place. Let me keep going. Husbands, love your wives. There it is. Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. Love them. Love them. Everybody should know love is a verb. It's like the man that once said, uh, you know, she said, how come you never, the wife says to the man, how come you never say you love me? He said, because I, I, I married you, isn't that enough? You should hit him with a Bible. No, you shouldn't. But that is an ignorant statement, okay? That is an ignorant thing. Well, I told her I loved her years ago. No. Love means, love is an action. Love is something you should tell your wife every day. Come on, after every phone call. Love you, baby. Love you. Love you. You just love. It should be all lovey-dovey, lovey-dovey. Okay, it should be like that. You know, now we laugh, but some of us weren't raised in homes like that. And so it is hard for you. Your wife says, I love you, baby. You're like, I love you. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. You know, all that. You got to get over that. Get into the word. Submit yourself to the word. It says, husbands, love your wives. Okay. So you know what, men? You got to do stuff because love is a verb. Okay. It's a verb. So in case you did not know this, love takes some work. It takes action. Love has words to it. Love uh, is expensive. You need to buy your wife something. Some of you go, well, she's got all the money anyway. It's okay. She needs something to come from you. I, I, hear, I hear some of your thoughts. I, that's a, I hear it. And if she wants something, she's got all the money, she can go get it. No, it needs to come from you. Got quiet. Some of you are like, dang, Pastor is reading my mind. <laughs> See, love takes action. That means you got to have words that back it up. There should be touching that backs it up. Amen? Yeah. Hugging. Amen? Holding hands. Well, I'm not in that public displays of affection. I don't like that. You need to get over yourself. Okay, you should be happy somebody wants to hold your hand, fellas. You should be happy someone will take your kisses. Yeah, I'm going to let that marinate. I'm, I know I'm, 
I feel a brick spirit coming on. Okay, so loving our wives, guys, it takes action. All right. Not just stuff. Well, you know, she knows I love her because we, we live in a house. We, I pay the bills, don't I? I'm here, ain't I? I came home. That's, that's what love is to you. You came home. Man, take her out for a pizza or something at least. You know, buy her some new shoes, socks even, amen? <laughs> Underwear, I don't know, just buy her something. Okay, let's keep going. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. Now, this is the thing, man, and you've heard me talk about this before. It's heavy, heavy, heavy. But we got to think about how Christ loved the church. Christ loves us, I want you to catch this, with an unconditional love. Unconditional. That means even when my wife is not doing right, I still love her. I still love her. Even when she's acting out of sorts, coming out of pocket a little bit, crossing some lines even, I can still look at her and say, I love you. Man, that's what you need to do. Because you know what we do, men? We start basing our love on the conditions. And as we get a little older, and if our wife isn't doing what she used to do, we pull back our love. And then when she says, how come you don't take me out? Well, how come you don't do this? That ain't Christ's love. And so you know what happens? We stop going back and forth. Because you don't want to hear what you don't do, and he don't want to hear what he don't do. And so you guys just go to your separate corners, <coughs> and you become roommates. Roommates that have kids. That's it. It happens in marriages all the time, okay? But how does it, it, it starts in a place where, where we begin to see that the kind of love that we have is a worldly love and not a Christ love. Listen, those of you that are single, you got to find someone that you can love through thick and thin. All right. You got to find somebody that is everything OK over here. He fell down or something. Oh, I thought he went. Oh, I thought he went down, too. I was like, My, maybe it is the Holy Ghost up in here. Some residue from Chris Sarno come falling out there. And OK, the little boy got slain. All right. So, so it starts, guys, we've got to really love like Christ. But here's the other thing. There are scriptures throughout the word of God that tell us, women too, that you've got to love your husband the same way. Okay? You've got to love him like Christ loves. And how does Christ love you? Unconditional. We don't like to do that. We like to only be nice to him and he's nice to us. That's not Christ's love. Christ's love is this. I'm going to love you and be good to you, even if you're not good to me. Now, this is the place where you understand. If Christ ain't the center and the head of your life, you can't do this, baby. You can't do it. Yeah, get the divorce papers ready. You ain't going to be able to do it. Because the only source of this kind of love comes from Christ. It's actually... You know, unsaved people cannot even tap this kind of love. This is why it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that unbelievers do not even date. Don't be unequally yoked with the believer. Don't, they don't mix. 
been preaching that for over 20 years and single people been hearing it, but they meet somebody that looks nice. She's fine. He got money. They don't listen to that. But then when you get in a situation in your marriage where you need someone that's going to love you unconditionally, he can't do it. So the marriage crumbles. And you should have listened to God's word when it said, don't be married to unbelievers. Don't even date them. Are you guys catching this? Because they can't access what you need. And what you need is unconditional love. And in our marriages today, you need to unconditionally love your husband. Yeah, but he don't do this no more. And he don't do that no more. Love him anyway. Unconditionally. Well, that don't sound fun. Who told you everything's got to be fun? Amen? There is, there is peaks and there's valleys in life. There are seasons of life. You've heard that said. Summer, spring, uh, fall, and then winter. Winter's real cold. Winter's got some blizzards, but you still got to go through it. We need unconditional love, okay? So <clears throat> love like Christ loved the church, all right? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that he should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, who listen to this, loves himself. Bam. That's what it is we've got with most deadbeat husbands. Most deadbeat husbands that don't want to do nothing for their wives. Listen, ladies, wives, you need to hear this because this will set you free. You think it's you. Why won't he take me out? Why isn't he nice to me? The Bible says if he ain't doing those things for you, the real problem is he don't love himself. In men, this is a problem today in our day and age. Most men don't love themselves. Listen, it's a struggle. As a man, we have this expectation of our manhood that is unreasonable. Most men, we think we're Superman. Come on, guys. You know you see that picture of yourself in the mirror. That's why weight creeps up on us. You ever notice that, man? Some of you older, oh, man, it's done it to me. Because we look in the mirror and we still see sexy. <laughs> yeah, you might have grabbed a roll, or, you know, got a roll of, of coming up, but you still see sexy, you know? Because as men, we take on a persona that is bigger. Because let me tell you something. That's what part of our equipment as a man. We look at a mountain, we say, no problem. We look at an army, bring it on. That's in a man. But then what happens? We take some lumps. Life begins to beat us down. Instead of going to college, we got a job. And we see somebody else has a better car. Or somebody else is living the dream. And we beat ourselves down, beat ourselves down. Why don't I have that? I should be at a better place in life. I should have got my education. <clears throat> and most men, most of us, we deal with this. I deal with it. I deal with it. We all deal with it. Ladies, you got to understand, Satan hates us all, but the assignment against men is to rob them of their strength. That man you're sitting next to, you better believe he deals with self-esteem issues. He deals with wanting to provide more for his kids, but in a situation he can't. He deals with wishing he could be a better husband, but he doesn't feel like he is or ever can. And guess who feels that? You will. Because the Bible says to love your, love your wife as you love yourself. Listen, if you can't love yourself, you're just going to be tough. It's going to be a tough time. 
But why am I sharing this? Because some of you women have been tormenting yourself. You've been saying, oh, it's me. I'm not pretty enough for him to be nice to me. He doesn't love me enough. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? I want you to be set free today. It ain't even you. It's him. He's dealing with his issues. He's dealing with low self-esteem. And if you could get that understanding, you could come out of that cage that you're under, that condemnation. You, you know, women will blame themselves all day for a bad marriage. And I'm telling you right now, what you need to do is start fighting for your husband. Start getting your eyes off of yourself and saying, God, bless my husband. And here's the other thing. Here's the great thing <coughs> about God's structure. Because the wife, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, is to be a helpmate unto the man. And so the powerful thing about a woman is a woman has an ability to install courage and strength in a man. And some of you ladies, you haven't been using that. Some of you have went the opposite route. And instead of installing courage and strength in him, you beat him down too. You know, Proverbs has a lot to say about nagging women. You ever read the book of Proverbs? You don't get mad at me. It's in the, it's in the Bible. It don't say nagging husbands. This says nagging women. Let me show you some scriptures real quick. I want to help you here because y'all looking at me like I wrote the stuff. <laughs> Proverbs 25, 24. Listen to this. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. It says this. Better to live alone in a tumble down shack than share a mansion with a nagging spouse. Dang! Now that's the Message Bible. Now the Message Bible took it to spouse, okay? Now the Message Bible isn't a literal translation, okay? That's why, you know, I usually do my main reading, but I go, it's, 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 it's kind of a study tool. But the original says wife, okay? It says wife. Better to live alone. So what he's saying is, yo, stay poor, Live in the hood, in a shack, beyond the hood, a shack. Move to TJ, okay? Live by the dump in Mexico, and you're straight. Just don't marry a nagging wife. Because even if you live in a mansion next to P. Diddy, your life's going to be hell. <laughs> Amen? We keep going, because I'm making somebody mad, but that's all right. Sometimes we get mad because we got a devil there. All right, let's keep going here. Amen. It's not even you getting mad. It's the spirit. You should be happy you're hearing truth, but that spirit in you don't like it. <laughs> you know I'm just having fun, but there's a little truth in that. There's a little truth in that. Proverbs 27, 14, listen to this. A nagging spouse, again, being nice there, nagging wife is like the drip, drip, drip of a leaky faucet. Listen to this. You can't turn it off. And you can't get away from it. That's some jacked up stuff right there. But you know why I believe, and you got to ask yourself, why do things get in the Bible? Yes, we know King Solomon wrote a lot of this, and he was coming from a certain perspective. But what I always like to look at is the Holy Spirit allowed that in the text. And I believe because it is a problem that God wants us to be careful of. Because, see, women have an ability put on the inside of them by God that your words are powerful. This is why most women, and you guys know this, studies have shown this, most women speak twice the amount of words in a day than a man. Did y'all know that? You go, you go, yeah, I never heard that, but I know that, ah, duh. You know, because if you ask your wife, how was your day? She will straight tell you. 
She will tell you. Well, my day was like this at 8 to 10, and then from 10 to 10, and then I went over here, and then I talked to Maggie, and Maggie told me this, and oh, you should have seen these shoes I saw, and blah, blah, blah. And, 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 and you ask a man, how was your day? Good. Listen, and we're not being mean or rude. It was just good. It was good. That's all that went in about my day was good. No bad, good, you know? Good. And it doesn't mean that, you know, it's just we're made different, okay? Now, I understand. I'm, I'm explaining how we're made. We do need to develop that, guys. Amen? Amen. And the lady said, because communication is based on communication. So I got to stop myself. My, my wife will stop me. Good. Well, what happened? Okay. We're needing to engage here. Let me pull it up. And we need that sometimes. Okay. Because we're made different. But a woman is put in her more words. Listen to this now. A woman has been given a gift of words because as a helper, the Bible says, comparable to her spouse, her words bring life, should bring life to her husband because your husband's out there all day and he's getting bombarded. You ain't a man. Look at you. You ain't doing this. You ain't got this. You ain't got this. He needs to come home to a woman that can recognize he's stressed, he's depleted, and start speaking life. Mm, you're my man. I'm so happy I have you. You make me feel so good, baby. Mm, you look so good. All this stuff. And make your man get ready again to go back out that door. Are you catching this? Well, he don't deserve all that. So you need to get rid of all that kind of stuff. That's not Christ's love. Because here's the, here's the greatest thing, and, and this is where ignorant people lose it. You've got to understand, we've always heard the saying, happy wife, happy life. How many of you have ever heard that saying? Amen? Happy wife, happy wife. Amen? People say, oh, yeah. And guys come under that yoke of, oh, my gosh, i got to keep my wife happy. i got to keep my wife happy. You do. It's good to. That's what love is, you know? But what you've got to understand, ladies, is you've got to get your man ready to go out and lead your life, your family. And you do that by your words. Get him ready. Speak the right things. Don't let nagging, don't let your negative words be something of what uh, King Solomon was talking about here in the Proverbs, where all you do is nag. Or here's, a, here's another thing. All you do is bring up his weaknesses. All you do is compile him more. You don't do this and you don't, listen, you're, 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 you're using your words wrong. Okay, let me let me give you this. And I want to close here and get up on the uh, keys. Get get people ready here. Amen. I want to read you this from Judges chapter 16, 19. Okay, it's a scripture I want to close with today that is about uh, uh, Samson and Delilah. We all know the story of Samson and Delilah. Okay, and in this story, Samson was told not to date women from the other camp, from the enemy's camp. It's the same story. We're still dealing with this today. Christians still want to go out with unbelievers and all this kind of stuff. But look what happens. You know the story. Samson is a literal Superman on the earth at his time. The Bible says he single-handedly defeated armies. Okay, armies. I don't know how that, I cannot wait to see the DVD in heaven. I know heaven has a DVD section. I can't wait to see how he did this. How does one guy beat armies 
All right. So he was powerful. He had superhuman strength and his 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 strength lied in his covenant with God. He was a Nazarite. And the Bible says as a Nazarite, Nazarites, their covenant, they didn't cut their hair. OK, and it wasn't that his hair was bringing him to strength. I know we've heard stories of that kind of thing, but his hair was a signal or a sign of his covenant with God. And in the story, Delilah was working with the enemy and they said, hey, why don't you go in and find out what his strength is? So Delilah, listen, through the power of her words, finds out what his strength is. And in his time of weakness, Samson tells her the secret. All right. And so here's what happens in verse 19. It says this after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair. And so, listen to this, and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him, all right? And so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. So what does that mean? You say, well, what, what, what are you talking about? See, many people have taught the story that she cut his hair, she seduced him, cut his hair, he lost his strength. It's so much deeper than that, okay? Because what that word subdue means, I looked it up in the, in the definition. I think I have it up for you up there. But the word subdue means this, overcome, quiet, or bring under control. Overcome, quiet, or bring under control. Quiet, uh, like quiet, to, to make quiet, or bring under control. Now listen, listen to this. In her act of subduing him, she robbed him of his strength. This is happening in a lot of marriages today. Instead of building your man and giving him his strength, sometimes, and this is not a message against wives and stuff, please don't hear it like that. This is just so we can get things in order. Sometimes in our own ignorance or not understanding what we're doing, instead of building the man that God gave us, we're robbing him of his strength. That's why some of you are married to a man who's not the same man he was when you married him. It's not always your fault, but sometimes it is. Because subdue means to overcome, to dominate. Your man has no say. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm the one in control of the money. I'm going to do it. Now, you might not come off like that, but you know in your heart that's your attitude. Quiet. You quiet him. You don't listen to what he says. Listen to me now, ladies. You don't listen to what he says. He says it, but you don't listen to it. You're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm going to do it this way. You know? Your husband don't want a pet, but you want a pet. So they say, I know, but he's going to have to get over it. That ain't right. Your husband don't want a pink house. I always wanted a pink house since I was a little girl. You better come into unity on that. Because why? What you're doing is you're silencing your husband's input. You're subduing his strength. That's a type and shadow of what Delilah did. And guess what she got? Here's the other thing she said that subdue does. Brings under control. Are you all about manipulating your husband through your anger, through your tears? Bringing so you can get him to do what you want to do? If you do that, you're getting the same result as uh, Delilah did. The Bible says Samson's strength 
left him. Gone. The guy that could defeat armies, beat armies with the jawbone of an ass, gone. Now, you know what it says? He, he was left pushing a millstone, shaved his head. Here's the other thing that they did to Samson. They blotted out his eyes. Guess what that means? He lost his vision. And he just became a dead husband. Going to work, bringing the check. Here you go, baby. Pay the bills. I want to watch the game later on. Eating macaroni and cheese. And we want to sometimes blame him. Well, he got to get it together. Could it be, ladies, please hear my heart. Could it be that you living unconnected to Christ has caused him to lose his strength? Listen, I wouldn't be protecting anything. If I was you, if that was me, I wouldn't be going, oh, no, no, that's not me. That's not me. I would be going, oh, my gosh, God, help me fix this so our family can be blessed, so our structure can go high. This is not a time to try to admit, no, no, that's not me. I'm not doing that. No, if it's you, if it's even an inkling of possibility that you're doing that to your man, this is the time to just bring it up and go, God, help me. Because I don't want a husband that has no vision. If he's got no vision, could it be that me subduing him has taken it from him? Could it be that his strength is gone because of my nagging and my not giving him a voice and my not honoring his authority? Because you know who's going to lose in the long run? You and your kids and your babies. Let's stand on our feet. This is not the time to defend our ways. I want you to just close your eyes. This is not the time to go, but yeah, but, but, you know, yeah, this and that. This is just the time to take inventory and say, God, if any of that stuff is in me, get it out of me. Because I don't want my man being less than he's called to be. Some of you have even said that. Well, he's not the man I married. You got to ask yourself. What are you doing to keep him and make him that man? The Bible, you know, we've been entrusted with our spouses, which means this. God is going to ask you, what was the result of your union? Did you make your husband better or did you make him worse? Men, he's going to ask you, is your wife better when she married you or did you bring her down? I pray to God we're able to face that white throne judgment and say, God, she's better. He's better. So, Lord, I just pray over every person. Please just close your eyes right now. I don't want anybody walking around or, or, or moving because our families are at stake. And some of us are doing things not because we're evil or bad. We just didn't know. We're just doing what mom did or grandma did. We're just doing what dad did or grandfather did and what, what our friends do. Listen, today the Holy Spirit is saying something. He's saying Get my structure so I can bless your home. So your marriages could be blessed. Your kids could be blessed. So I'm not going to ask anybody to come to the front for prayer because I don't want to highlight anybody's weaknesses or struggles. But we need to ask ourselves today, God, help us. Now, Holy Spirit, I pray over every person that is here today every woman. I pray, Lord, that they heard it from, from the heart of a father, 
not women bashing or, or not just trying to, you know, speak from a male chauvinistic point of view, but Lord, going to the word. I pray they hear it as a, a word from the father saying, daughters, change. I've got something for you. And Lord, I pray the men hear it from the same way of God saying, I'm for you. I'm with you. But change, love your wives. Lord, let it be as for me in my house. We will serve you. And we will have the blessing of God on our family. And I pray over these families that they will be the most blessed in South Sacramento and wherever they're from. That our homes, our marriages will be marked by the blood of the Lamb and by the organizational structure of heaven. Release the blessing into our lives. Lord, prepare our single people. Lord, prepare the singles to work on these areas in their life and to be able to be discerning about who they date and marry someday. Let this word resonate in them this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Now let me have your eyeballs for just a minute. Guys, I hope you hear my heart in all this. You know, this is not a male chauvinistic thing or anything like that. It's getting the structure back in the home that God put there. If you have a problem with any of it, I'm always there to talk, to, to, to help you understand the heart of the Father. Because we are not an oppressive church. Man, listen, we believe in the leadership roles of women. We believe in women being strong. That's why I married Tina. Amen? You know, I'm preaching this from a place of where my wife is a strong leader. She posted a a picture that I sent her. I I, I didn't want her to post. I was just messing with her. Some of you might have seen it on Facebook. It says, uh, I'm not bossy. I just have leadership skills, you know, and as a little girl, you should check it out. It's really funny. But I sent that to her, you know, because I do. I value her leadership role. She's not silent. So that's not what this thing came from. But she'll even tell you, we have to have a structure in our home. As strong and and, and leadership role that she has, she knows who the lead is in the home. And I don't say that like, yeah, she knows. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying it like that. Because if I act like that, she has a right to say, forget you. Because I'm not acting like Christ. Amen? But she knows. Amen, baby? She's giving me a good big thumbs up. All right. I was worried. No, I wasn't worried. Come on. Praise God. You guys go and be blessed. We have a great week. We'll see you on Saturday. If you're signed up for something, somebody's going to be calling you this week. We're set up. We'll be at 7 o'clock. And bring your kids. It's going to be a blast. And then next week, we're going to fill up this place with chairs. We're expecting a huge crowd here next week. So uh, invite your friends and family. Amen. God bless you.